Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over the dumpster fire going on at Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and whatever remains of the tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Tom Alderson, the Victor Orta thinking Jesse Marsh is a suitable successor to Marcelo Bielsa of the podcast. This is what a smart club would do, right? And I'm joined today by the sacking of Jesse Marsh after the transfer window and replacing him with your fifth choice option of the podcast, Dan Holdsworth. This is what a smart club would do, right? And finally, I'm joined by the big Sam appointment with four games to go of the podcast. This is what a smart club would do, right? It's Martin Riley. Martin, did you have a pint of wine with your tea or a pint of gravy? Um, I didn't have either. And can I just say thank you for the honour of being the big Sam of the podcast. Um, I really hope I can <laughs> live up to that mantle. Um, yeah, I, I didn't have a pint of gravy or, or wine, but what I did have was some homemade chicken Kievs. Uh, first time I've attempted making them myself. And it went reasonably well. All, as usual with Kiev, all the butter leak, leaked out. Um, I, I used margarine rather than butter, which I, I learned my lesson with. It's not firm enough for chicken Kiev, so it's hard to form it. But yes, other, other than the leads being shit as usual, um, I'm, do, I'm doing good. How, how, about, how about you, Tom? Are you okay? Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, I'm to be honest, I'm at the point with Leeds where I'm just laughing at it. So I'm actually, I've not had a bad time really. Um, how about you, Dan? How, how are things going for you? Not too bad, not too bad, mate. I've um, I've had no gravy or wine tonight, so I can't help you on that front. But I did have spaghetti and meatballs, and they were very nice, I have to say, homemade by my good lady wife. Um, so otherwise good. And yeah, on Leeds United, I mean, it's just funny. Yeah, just got to embrace the banter here, yeah, haven't you? Because otherwise you'll just cry. Yeah. So, like, I think this is the only way to do it. Um, we normally at this point in the podcast we'd sort of discuss the news, but like we don't want to discuss the matches, so we're just going to discuss the news for the rest of the podcast. Um, I will start with a game summary as normal, but we're not going to do a big 
um, review of the game. We're just going to talk about all the other rubbish that's going on at the moment and see if we can try and make a little bit of sense of what's going on. Um, so I'll, I will summarise the Bournemouth game for what it's worth. So the game started predictably with Leeds looking good for the opening 20 minutes, but Bournemouth broke the deadlock with Jess and Lerma converting from the edge of the box with a classy finish in the 20th minute. This was followed up again four minutes later when Lerma took advantage of a mistake from Melier to smash into the roof of the net. Hopes were lifted in the 32nd minute when Bamford headed in a willing onto a cross, but that hope didn't count for much as in the second half, Bournemouth scored two more goals and we didn't respond with any goals despite having some moments where we could have done and the game ended 4-1. Nice and brief summary of that one, but does anyone really want to add anything to that or should we move on to discussing the whatever's going on at the moment? Yeah, I can't really add anything else to, to the review of the match. I don't really, really care to anyway. <laughs> That's fine with me. Um, right then, so yeah, like I said at the, the top, we're, we won't be discussing this game in any great detail, but is there anything either of you two want to say about the last two games in more general terms? I, I kind of, with the with the last game, like there was an attempt, wasn't there, by Gracia to go, you know, free fall free and change the shape a bit, and and I thought it was kind of it was quite a good idea, wasn't it? And it kind of looked fairly good as there's a shape from the bits I've seen of it and, and of the game and what have you. But ultimately, like it was undone by you know some some weak defending and you know a Melier mistake again. So it just kind of it almost kind of su- suggests that the the issues aren't tactical at the moment. They're, they're you know they're much deeper and much more deeper rooted than that, and which is which is kind of the real big worry, the real bigger worry for me at the moment. So. You know, actually, despite some okay changes or some some changes I understood, I think it's frustrating frustrating that we're so weak and we still, you know, we're still turned over so easily with what was not a bad game plan on the face. Of yeah, it. I would I would agree with that. I think like the three four three was all right in parts. I think it's a bit better than we probably have looked in recent weeks. Um, I and I know where this is sort of in the being clamoured for for years from some fans, but. Um, Harrison at left wing back, I thought was pretty decent. I thought he was in, pretty involved in anything good that Leeds did, really. Um, and I, I doubt we'll probably see it in the long term future because I don't expect Gracia to be there any longer. For based on the news that's coming out today, um, but one thing we did see, and it's kind of like either he gave into fan opinion or for willing onto was finally ready. But um, he did bring Nonto back in, so Martin, what what did you make of that? I thought it was obviously the only thing he could really do was to put Nonto into the sides at that point, um, and I felt that Nonto did well. Um, he was one of the few bright sparks in the game. Obviously, his cross for Bamford's goal was very good. It was um, per- perfectly placed, met Bamford just at the right moment, and great great finish by Bamford as well. Um, heading heading isn't usually his forte, but he, he put that away quite well, and it didn't even smack off his nose or anything, so that was good. Um, but yeah, Nonso did, did try to inject as much as he could into the game, but there's only so much one player can do, especially when, like, Dan has covered there with the re- the problems in defence, which are caused by low confidence, in my opinion, and it's going to be tough to get those sort of things away. There's little things like losing concentration, not closing down the, the player taking the shot soon enough. I think that's what happened for their opening goal, um, was just that McKenna didn't get to, to him fast enough to close the gap. So, so he had well too much time to shoot, which, to be fair, it was still a very good finish, but a bit more pressure on him may, may have helped out with that a bit more. And uh, the 3-4-3, three, three, I also enjoyed that. I uh, thought that was a, a decent change from Grazia to try to change things around. Seeing Harrison at wing back was a, a decent change. He did reasonably well. He wasn't massively tested, I thought, though, which I think uh, against a better opposition, he 
probably would be exposed a lot more in that role. But considering a wing-back is, for most systems when you play it, it's meant to be more of an attacking role than a defensive one. So it's generally more acceptable to use a, a, a wing-back who isn't as good defensively, which is maybe... I'm surprised we didn't see Furpo in that role, because I think that's where he's probably at his best, is as a wing-back. Um, I'm not saying he, he, that would have made any difference to the game result, because it wouldn't have done. Um, any individual player missing or coming into it wouldn't have made a massive amount of difference. But yeah, I, th- I can't think of too much else to say about Nanto or that game in general. It just similar issues keep cropping up, which I'm not sure how they're going to change. Yeah, I think that's the thing, and like, Part of the decision behind not wanting to dig into these games too greatly is I think a lot of the games recently have followed the same pattern. Like we've started pretty well, seeing the same tactical issues, seeing the same lack of confidence in the players, seeing not being either. Well, at first it was like committing to either defending or attacking. This now we can't do either. So I don't think there's a lot more to talk about in that game personally, unless anyone else wants anything has anything they want to add. Nope. Um, in that case, then, um, we'll move on to the well, the first big news of the day. So, um, in the aftermath of this game, uh, Victor Orta's contract has been terminated by m- mutual consent in the loosest term, possible terms. Um, why do you think Leeds are doing this now? Um, is it just to give in to what the fans want, or do you think it's the right thing to do on a football level? So, uh, Dan, I'll I mean, come I, to you first. I think it's absolutely um, giving in to what the fans want. I mean, the Victor Orta era had to come to an end, I think, soon. You know, I think it was running its course. Um, you know, errors that he's made, which we can get into later, you know, we're kind of bearing fruit or what's the opposite of bearing fruit on, on, the, on the club at the moment. Um, so I think it was it was inevitable. Whether it was inevitable at this point, I don't know. And if that's sensible, I, I, I suspect um, this is Radrazani panicking and trying to give the, uh, you know, throw a bone to the fan base to say, yeah, I'm listening, we're doing something, we're moving on. I think that's what this is around. Um, so I think it's a it's a, a Radrani panic mode rather than it being a um, necessarily the smartest thing to do. Um, but it, it was coming anyway. So the question mark is more around timing rather than you know if it should have happened for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. Like I, it does feel like a um, a PR thing by Radrani, but and I just I just think it had to happen though. Like I I personally didn't want Victor Orta having any further say over a manager or a players that come into the into leads because I think he's just like he's reached the end of the road with that one um so even if it's like uh, not the logical time to do it because we were talking our group chat earlier and um Josh who probably knows about this better than any any of us um that at all starts on way is that it's like a director of football will be deep into looking into which players are going to be signed at this point in the year like just before the season ends regardless of division we're in um so it would it's a bad move on that point, unless whoever, like the if it's the forty nine ers that are going to take over quickly, if they've got someone quick they can bring in and get on board quickly, which is probably unlikely, um, then it's fine. But otherwise, it's just going to probably add to the chaos of a takeover and a high turnover of squad with relegation, and now a director of football as well. So it it doesn't logically make sense. But I I still on a more emotional level think it's not the right thing for him to be at the club anymore so I'm, I was glad it was done um, Martin have you got anything you want to add on this? Yeah, um, I, I personally think it is the right thing to do um, on a football level Not, it's not just a PR thing I think it's a big mixture of both I think Arta was going to be going no matter what and I've lost trust in Arta and his judgement especially when it comes to 
managerial choices. Uh, just the fact that we're in a position now where we've gone in 14 months from having Marcelo Bielsa to the new managerial appointment, who will come on to soon. <laughs> that speaks volumes over the situation, in my opinion. And not just the managerial choices, um, the players who we've targeted to, to fill gaps in the squad, they generally haven't come come up big for mo- most of them. If you look at some of the recent ones, we've got, we've got Aronson, who hasn't really contributed at least effectively in front of goal. Either with assists or with goals. Um, we've got a record signing, Jorginho Ruta, who no matter how good he will be in the future, he was not the right player to bring in in the middle of a relegation fight. We needed a striker who could score goals and make an immediate impact, even if you spend less money. You don't have to make a record signing. Just get a warm body in there, someone who can score score goals. That would be a much simpler way of doing it. There's just so many things you can put at Victor Otto's doorstep, and I don't think it's right. would be right for him to make any more decisions on the club level. And even if we do take a week or two to bring someone new in. I think that's for, for the best, personally, overall. Yeah, I would agree with all that. I think that the thing for me is, like, I've, se- I've seen, well, there's been all sorts of rubbish on Twitter today about which auto signings are successful, which ones aren't. And I actually think if you break down each signing on, like, a person, well, a player-by-player basis, like, it's a pretty mixed bag, which is probably the same as most directors of football, um, out if you're not a director of football at Brighton. Um, so it's not that, it's, it's more for me like he spent so much money on certain signings and the ones that he spent the most money on are very, have not really been successful like outside of maybe Rodrigo and I've, like that's a bit open for debate I'd suggest because um, like those are, there is good signings in there, there's like Ben White Rafinha, you can't, you can't knock those um, but it's just, if you look at like the proportion of his total spend, it's a lot of it is on stuff that hasn't worked out and then like signing as many signing players for a, a future that might not come is I, th- I think it makes sense if it if it that future does come but for me the me, the issue with that policy was that there was never a distinguished pathway to the team and especially under Bielsa like this this pathway that they always talked about I just don't think it existed and I think that was the start of like the the dominoes falling really that's I think that's what you can attribute it to but I think um there's a lot to di- I, th- I think there's a lot to dig in with this the, the auto leaving I think it's it'll probably all take us a few days to sort of work out exactly where it stands especially when we see how it affects the recruitment probably over the summer I think it's um, probably worth pointing out and this is a point that John made in our group chat John before that like how how difficult the job is the director of football and how how difficult it is to measure what is a good job. I mean, if if you just take a, a thousand mile view of the Leeds United, Leeds United were rubbish for sixteen years. This guy comes in, spends a bit of money, gets us to the Premier League. We get three Premier League seasons out of it, maybe more. That's success and a very very yeah. very very top high level view of that. Now we can pick bones for other transfers and all that kind of stuff. And I think I'm more I'm probably more forgiving on Victor Otter's you know on the stock take of who's a good signing, who's a bad signing than most. Um, I get. My my frustration with him is the kind of the general the strategic position that is 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 moved us through. So he's gone from Bielsa to to Marsh, then to Grassi. Yeah, that's well. yeah, and you know that's that. Uh, it's it's the kind of the, it's kind of the brand. It's it's the broader decisions, the, the big broad stroke decisions he's made. I don't agree with. I think in terms of some of the individual transfers and some of the individual signings, they're actually they're fairly good. You know, who was it? Alex Ferguson and said that you know if you get half your transfers right, you're doing well. Well, for me, alters around that. 
what to say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and and there's some really really good ones in there. There's some you know and and people talk about the high level expensive signings that haven't worked. Well, one high high level expensive signing that did work was Bamford. Relative to the time when we bought him, that was a big signing. Yeah. True. And we've had, yeah. you know, yeah, um, about seven to nine million. That was a big signing in the championship, isn't it? Whatever it was at the time. Um, so it's not all bad. Um, and I think broadly speaking, if you look at the squad, although it's unbalanced and lumpy, it's generally quite young and loads of talent in there. So there's there's something to mould, isn't there? Something to build from. We've got resources that we can sell if we go down and you know make up some shortfall. So it's not all bad. Some of his decisions really frustrate me as well. So I'm not I'm not you know completely absolving him of all of all blame for the state of the club. But uh, the the other thing to work to point out is you know what was Victor Orta's remit at various points. You know is what's 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 his remit? What's the job for him? Is is the job for him just to make sensible incremental gains, or is the job for him to to you know to make big gains and jump ahead and jump us into Europe and jump us into these different cup competitions and that kind of thing? You know, if 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 the ownership are saying to him, no, we want to you know we go ninth first season, we want to come sixth this year and get into Europe, then he's going to roll the dice and gamble, isn't he? And 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 make different kinds of decisions that where a, a club that maybe wants to make small incremental sensible gains want to make, they might make different type of transfer decisions that are kind of more sensible and kind of fill the squad out with sensible profiles that will do a job for us for the most part and that kind of thing. So I think there's kind of context around Victor Orta and the job he's done that's worth that's worth discussing perhaps or worth considering when doing that stock tape of stock tape of how, how well he's done. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. Um, it's, yeah, those sort of, those those other signings with the like the fur pose of the world and like it's the ones that if they'd worked which they're unlikely to work that they would go big then yeah that's fair enough but it just seemed there were just so many of those over time that added up that it was that was the frustration for me yeah um Martin have you we haven't heard from you for a while so is there anything you want to jump in on yeah, here yeah uh, Dan made a lot of good points there about um especially the context of all the transfers and uh, I do want to thank Arthur for some of the, some of the work that he has done because. Some of the signings that he has made have been very, very good. Um, most especially the signing of um, Nonto, that look is looking likely to be quite a large success, considering the very minimal fee that we put down for him and how quickly he's adapted. Um, I, I would expect that he's probably exceeded their expectations as to how quickly he would adapt to the Premier League. I don't think he was ever ever brought in really to make a massive impact straight away. Like he did I know he didn't come into the squad immediately, but but then as soon as he did hit the squad, he just seemed like a natural to it. So I think he has a good eye for talent and that's a that's a very very thing I will say. He does he can pick out good players. Um but his biggest failing for me is his I want to say passion and I think he lets his that's way his decisions too much and lets that overrides more sensible things that he could, could could be doing at the time, like with the insistence to keep on Marsh for longer than what what we should have done, and we all know that Marsh should have been gone a lot sooner than what what he was. At least most of us on this channel would agree with that. And I think his his heart overruled his head at times, which I don't think you can really allow to do. I think that's probably why there's not as many. Like, do you know of a director of football who is as central to the club as Victor Orta? I can't think of any other ones who you see regularly at games who show as much passion in the games as he does. So uh, I think it's a good thing and a bad thing, is that that passion. And it's clear that he did care about the club, and I've never questioned that about him. He's a very, very hard-working guy. 
He's by the transfer window season, he's literally jet setting all over the world doing his job. Yeah, he gets paid paid a lot of money for that, but he does put in a lot of hours. You can't question his motivations. I think it's just it's a, it's a difficult job. It really is. It's easy for any of us to say um, that he's done an awful job, and I have said he's made some bad decisions, but. Like like Dan said, it is such a difficult job to get right, and we don't know what he's been told by the, the people above him as to what they want from each individual signings. For all we know, um, it could have been those right, regards to the Jorginho Rutter thing. They could have told him we want to get a signing who is got more potential than current. Maybe he could have been told that he could have said that they want another one like like Rafinha, who, who we're going to sell on for a lot of money in the future. We don't know yep. that that could have been his remit, but. We'll see how we do with his replacement, and maybe that will be a better way of judging how well he did. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I will add one final question on this. So, do you, um, I'll come to you, Martin. Uh, do you think the club is more likely to make a smart decision when it comes to the new director of football and the new manager? I'll add to that as well. Um, this summer, is it more likely to be a good um, appointment if we stay up or if we go down? I think it's both as likely as each, to be honest. Um, we don't really have any basis to find off whether whether 49ers are going to make any better decisions than what Radrizani has um, in these sort of, sort of things. So I think a lot of it is up in the air at the moment. Um, I, I do think it is probably e- an easier thing to make a smart decision for a coach in the champ- championship. I think there's a lot. I think they'll have more leeway with who fans will be likely to accept as a manager. And maybe some choices which would be a bit too risky for the Premier League. I'm thinking of um, what's his name? Who's I always forget his name. Who's in Knutson? Yeah, Knutson. That's it. Yeah, um, I think he would probably be too much of a risky signing for the Premier League. Maybe, but I think that that sort of signing would be perfectly acceptable for us to go into the Championship if that is what Knutson is looking to do. Of course. And there's other coaches along those lines, like Russell Martin. He's done a fantastic job in the, in the championship. And I think there's not probably more options for us to, to and a bit more. I want to say risk. Uh, that The risk is not as great, but, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what, what, they, what decisions the 49ers make if it is them who take us into the next season. Yeah. Um, I feel like we could go on with this for a while, but I will bring it to a, um, a bit of a close because I imagine we will probably well the thinking is well that I've just come up with today so I don't know if we're going to do this but uh, we did our author's review of his signings podcast and um, article last 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 uh, March I think it was so I think what we'll end up doing this summer is we'll probably end up finishing that off with this year's signings any players that have left probably include the managers as well um, and just sort of review the Victor Orta time at Leeds as a whole in a podcast and give us much more time once the dust has settled to review Alter's time at Leeds because I think there's a lot to dig into and I don't think we can do that in a podcast where we've got other things to talk about. Um, and speaking of other things that we have to talk about, so we um, today, Sam Aldice is looking like he's going to be confirmed as the Leeds United manager a mere 14 months after we sacked Marcelo Bielsa. So uh, my question is for you, Martin, do you want a toaster in your bath or a hairdryer? Oh, it's a hard one, is that? Um, I, I, I'm going to say maybe, maybe the toaster would put out more power, so I think that that might be a quicker death. Um, so I, I think I'm going to go with toaster. Yeah. Headwise, a good shout, though. But, yeah, <laughs> on on Sam Allardyce, um, 
it, it seems pointless, right? Um, because I'd, there's so many, so few games left of, of the season to do anything with. Four games, and if the rumored figures of how much he's likely to be earning if we do stay up are true, he's going to be earning close to three million for if if we do stay up. And there's a very there's a likely scenario, or at least a, a world where we don't win any of our remaining games, or maybe draw one game, and we still stay in the Premier League if the other teams around us continue doing as poorly as they have been doing. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a certainly an interesting thing, and I, I have watched some of, of of our dice, but we'll get into that a bit later when we review the, ne- the next games. Um, got some things to say about his his style, but yes. <laughs> Uh, Dan, what are your initial thoughts on Allardyce coming in? Um, well, look, first I just laughed, and then I thought about the toaster. So, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just completely pointless. And my, my first thought was, well, he's had Radjani's pants down, hasn't he? And then the money story come out, and I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, he definitely has. So, I mean, this this goes back to the, the question you're asking before about would the club be smart? Well, you know, Radjani's in charge at the moment, so no, the club will not be smart. I put way more of the the current travails of Leeds United at the door, at the feet of Radjani than Orta. Just just for the record, to go back to the last question. But um, in terms of um, uh, big, big Sam, I mean, I, 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 I don't know what to say really. The only thing, the only thing I can say in in in, in the positive column is that this is something I've heard before. When you hear, when you listen to podcasts with ex-players and people that have played for Sam Allardyce, players always love him. Players always talk about him. What have been a great man manager? I was really kind to them. I really helped them out of a difficult situation. How he helped them develop their game. You know, he's, he's, although he's got a tactically, he's probably a dinosaur in terms of sports science and nutrition and modern, you know, those kind of elements. He's not. He's quite a modern guy. Oh, he was when he when he was managing at Bolton anyway. So it might well be that his man management is is one to one stuff with the players. He perhaps improves the mood around the place a little bit, and that has some impact. But that's all I can say. That's it. That's the only positive I can think of, and that's you know that's really stretching it. Really, I'm afraid. Yeah, I think for me on a tactical level. No, yeah. it makes no sense. No. But yeah, it's the man management stuff. We we under Grassy, we were going down. That's like we're still probably going down. But we would it would just we looked beaten. There was no confidence. So if if you can just bring anything that just lifts the mood, somehow I don't know, nab a draw it somewhere or even a win, it could be that it's it's like you've gone from like a very high chance of relegation just to a little bit less. It's yeah. a roll of the dice that I can understand. Um. Yeah, I I just think it's you. Grassy was was we were doomed under Grassy. So it's the last chance, and it is a it's a it's a hail mary. I'm using all the bloody terms now, but that's that's all it is. There's but um, on the actual tactical foot now, it's just death, isn't it? I'm hoping it's just for four games. Um, I, on that point, actually, so if by a miracle he does seem to keep us up, uh, Dan, do you think there is any chance of him staying next season? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, I hope not. I really hope not. And I hope that's just not motivated reasoning from me. But um, no, I don't think he will do. I think, I mean, I know Rajan is an idiot, but I, I don't think he's that much of an idiot. I think he's going to, he knows the fans want to watch attractive football. You know, he must, he must have heard that. He must have heard the grumbles about the boring seller playing the grass here and the, you know, the nonsense of Jesse Marsh's tactics. Um, so I would hope not. And I think Rajan would, 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 would go down a, a different route. Um, with a different style of manager. I mean, there's rumours today, isn't there, that if we survive, we're going to get Brendan Rodgers in. (laughs) You know, but Brendan Rodgers, generally speaking, plays fairly attractive football. You know, that's a Rodgers-Rani signing, isn't it? Brendan Rodgers, I would think. Um, But that maybe is an indication of the sort of manager he would look at, just purely from a style perspective, which suggests 
that we wouldn't stick with our dice beyond the year, uh, beyond the, be, the year. I hope not year, beyond the four games. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I'd agree with that. Um, Martin, I'll got another sort of discussion put on Allardyce here. So, are there any players that you think could do well? under an Allardyce setup, and are there any players that you think are probably we're not going to see for the rest of the season? I think probably most of the squad isn't really built for an Allardyce system. Um, I think maybe the some, the wide players, uh, they should be fine. Um, he does generally... I think I'd say he gives a reasonable amount of freedom to the wide players, at least, at least from, from what I, I was watching. Um, I think Monto and Harrison, they, they could do quite well un, under him. Um, but I think it's more the defence that that will may, maybe struggle. Uh, I, I'm not sure if they're set up well to do a low block well because we see we've seen Grazia try try it and it's not really done that well most of the times. At least in a little, especially the amount of goals we've been letting in recently, it's seems to be undone. And I'm not sure that it's a confidence thing or if it is the players. The chances are, I think maybe he might like uh, Rasmus Christensen. I think he's a sort of player who he may, he may like. <laughs> Dear Lord. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, because he's an aggressive defender and he's a defensive first fullback, I would say, um, even if he is good for Denmark as a wingback. We've not really seen it. <laughs> so uh, I, even if he can score the odd goal. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think he's one of the few I can think. Possibly Joel Robles. He, he might be one who may decide to take Melier out of the limelight. He's been known for being a manager who isn't scared of making these sort of big decisions and because he's generally in the temporary basis, so he doesn't have to deal with the decisions and their aftermath. So I think Rob Les could be one who may benefit and see some games before the end of the season. Um, but I think generally the midfielders we've got, I'm not sure how well he's going to take to Mark Rocker. Um, I think Mark Rocker might be a bit too spicy for his liking. Um, I mean, too much passing yeah, ability. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think so. I'm not sure if that's what sort of midfielder he would ideally pick, but and McKenny as well. I'm not. I'm not sure he sees the need for someone who is best as an an eight, <laughs> an attacking eight, who's a space investigator and what whatnot. <laughs> but yeah, these are all sort of terms which I don't think we'll ever hear from from Big Sam. It's going to be a change, indeed. It, it will be. Yes, that's about all I can say about who will thrive and or won't thrive under Allardyce. Yeah, um, Rob Les was my first thought. Um, I think he's, well, I, th- I think partly, I, th- I think I, it could have been coming anyway, the way Melia was playing, but I think, yeah, um, Allardyce might be the sort of one who would take Melia out and just sort of trust a more senior player to hopefully stop some goals, which Melia wasn't doing at the moment. Um, has anyone got anything else they want to say on Sam Allardyce, or shall we move on? In terms of players, I just, I just the the, the names I had written down, and I'm not sure my logic is all that strong here, but I just put the first one was Aronson will suffer. <clears throat> I, did, I, just, yes. I just can't imagine Allardyce and Aronson in the same room. To be honest, so how it's going to work in a football field, <laughs> I, I don't know. I will say, um, I will say just quickly on the Aronson thing, he played Colin Gallagher a fair bit, and they're relatively similar profiles, and he had he had bleached blonde hair when he played under under him as well, so who knows? Did he have uh, pink boots possible, as well? Possible, yes. Yeah. But I, I also I thought maybe Rutter gets a chance, just because Allardyce might try and just freshen things up, that Rutter perhaps gets a chance. I had Robles written down for obvious reasons. I think it's easier for Allardyce to make a change for Melier now than 
perhaps previous manager. And then the other one is uh, striking midfield, perhaps. If Aldice wants to go <laughs> balls to the midfield and have someone's just sat, in deep, sat deep, it might you know, he might want to release Rocker to play further forward and he might want to release uh, McKenney to play further forward. And so he might sit someone like Struik behind them in that kind of sitting role, almost like a third centre-back in front of the back back four or something, perhaps. I mean, I don't know if that's something Allardyce does tactically and has done tactically in the past, but it feels Allardyce-ish, doesn't it? You know, putting a centre-back in midfield. Yeah, I think a lot of this is why it was... He's going on reputation. Like I, Some of his teams, like, do they set up as deep as people giving the impression he does so? I guess we'll find. Well, we'll put. We'll definitely find out on Saturday when we're um, parked outside our own penalty box. I mean, his Bolton team had some quite fun technical players, didn't they? I mean, like Cam- yeah, yeah. Campo was the deep line playmaker, wasn't he? You know, so um, Jockey, didn't he? And um, JJ Koch, these were good fun players, weren't they? But then there were yeah, yeah. big brutes around them, you know. <laughs> Kevin Davis. So it was, he had that kind of blend, didn't he? Really, you know. Yeah, just put all our exciting attacking players up front, and then put another eight men behind the ball. Yeah, we'll be we'll be fine. We'll only lose eight nil on um, Saturday. <laughs> Um, so the two more questions left before we discuss our beating by Man City. So um, I'll talk about talk about like the shorter term first. So despite the recent bad form and the number of goals we've conceded, um, we are still somehow outside the relegation zone. So I'll come to both of you on this um, to give you a chance. Do either of you think we have a chance of staying up, Dan? Do you want to go? First? Well, we have a chance, but. You know, before the last a two... A good chance. No, we don't have a good chance. Now, I mean, before the Leicester game and the, even the Bournemouth game, I thought it was like a coin flip of 50-50. I don't think that's true anymore. I think, you know, we're more likely to go down than not. But it's not, it's not an insignificant chance. There is... Everton and, and Forest, and perhaps even Leicester, may continue to shit the bed. <laughs> you know, if they, if they shit the bed at the same rate we do, then we don't go down. That's You know, it's not a, it's not, it's a non-zero chance. So, But that's it, really. I mean, I suppose Allardyce scrapes a point off Newcastle, gets a bit of confidence. We then go into the last last two games, needing a win. You know, stranger things have happened, but yeah, I'm not I'm not banking on it. Yeah, Martin, what about you? Yeah, my sort of echo dance. Um, it's there's a non-zero chance that we do do stay up. It's it's, it's football. It's one of the things where variance can affect things so easily. The slightest thing can change in a game, and we somehow end up winning. I mean, when we beat Man City with 10 men, little things like that, which you'd never expect to happen in the footballing world, and they just do more often than any other sport. So uh, there is always a chance. Um, but I think we are more likely to depend on the other teams around us doing poorly and continue to do poorly than I, don't, I can't see much in the way of us suddenly winning a multitude of games. I mean, if Allardyce wins every single game that we've got left, and yeah, maybe he's deserved his um, two million bonus or whatever it is. Um, if he does that, he's yeah, definitely deserved yes. his two and a half million. He's beating Man <laughs> yes. City with this absolute pile exactly, of rubbish. Exactly. <laughs> so if that does, does happen and we win every single game, then fair, fair play to him. Um, we can buy him as much gravy as he wants. And yeah, long live Big Sam in my opinion. But I can't see that happening. And um, it's most likely going to be... If at least one of the teams, or Forest or Everton, continue to be shit, um, or maybe t- I think two out of the three, maybe. Um, but yeah, so there is still a chance that we do stay up. But at the moment, I am preparing for relegation. I said that if we um, lost this, the last, well, if we didn't win either of the last two games, that we would go down. And I'm still sticking by that. I think that we'll probably will go down. But there is still a reality where we do stay up. Yeah, I, I too, I, I think he's more likely we we go down now um i don't think that's a crazy thing to say 
Um, I still get the impression that only one win would potentially do it, though. I, I don't, I don't see Everton really getting. What are they on twenty nine points? I don't see that. That they they look awful. Um, in my head, it's kind of a shoot. Still a bit of a. We still need, just need to beat Forest really in terms of points. And I'd, I'd, I'd like. I know they fluked that win against Brighton, but they've got Southampton next week, and after that, I don't see them doing that well. Um, so. I still feel like one win could do it, and the the optimism in, in me, despite everything that's happened, is like we could just go to West Ham and win, but we probably won't. But that's football, and that's why we love it. Um, so um, I'll come to like a wider point now, mainly on looking to next season. So Martin, is there any point in getting our hopes up for the future of the club from next season onwards, or should we just prepare for disappointment now? I think so. I, th- I think there is every possibility that we do kick on from here. Um, I do still think that either way, if we go down, I'm, I'm weirdly looking forward to it. I don't know why. Don't, don't ask me why, but um, it's just it's very possible that we do have a fun season next year. Um, I can't help but look at the way Burnley have turned things around for them and how fun of a season they've had, um, bringing in a decent manager and bringing in some decent signings, and it's worked well for them. And I think that is still a possibility that we could have going into the championship. And will will be one of the um, most well, the well most well backed sides in the championship. I would say um, we should have a fair amount of money to spend with parachute payments and player sales. There should be a fair amount of money there to refresh the squad. We've got lots of young talent who will really thrive in the right setup in the championship. Um, players like uh, Lewis Bate, I think he's very likely to do very well in championship, and I think that will be a great player for us to bring in. Um, I'll bring back, sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do think there is every, every chance that we should still have hope that we, we can get a good season after these awful couple. Yes. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo everything you said there, Martin. I, I'm weirdly looking forward to a potential championship season. Um, looking forward to seeing some of our younger players. Like, Hopefully we can actually start to see a run out of Geldhart playing um, if he comes back, which would be nice. And then there's the other young players that um, could be good if we can get the setup right. So yeah, Weirdly, I would be quite up for it as well. But uh, Dan, what are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, in, in the immediate term, assuming you know, if we go down, it's it's just about the coach, isn't it? It's about the coach anyway. Get you know, if we somehow manage to make a, a decent coaching appointment, there's talent there to play with, especially if we go down relative, relative to the level. So yeah, exactly, Galhart, Georgino Rutter, maybe we some <laughs> we work out how to use him. He should be very, he should be good, you know, a lot of fun in the championship. Like Lewis Bate, Cody Drama, can we convince him his long term futures at Leeds? If so, and and teams that go down from the championship, you know, if you look at the recent history, they don't tend to lose all their players. They'll they'll be three, four, maybe five, reasonably sized sales, and that's it. You take four or five of our better players out you, at championship level, you're still left with a lot of talent and hopefully a reasonable amount of money to buy some some know how, some championship know how, perhaps, and you know, and then you know, a couple of exciting players from 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 elsewhere, perhaps. So. There is a world, and it's not it's not beyond the realms of possibility that we have a lot of fun next season. But it's just it's about the coach for me. Get the coach right, and and you know coaches make signings better, don't they? Yep, yeah, um, good stuff. So that brings us to the end of what was kind of this this week's interrogations. A bit different style to what we normally do. So hope you all enjoyed it. Um, but we'll stop there, and we will move on to the Man City preview. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Um, so we're not going to talk too much about how Man City play because I think a lot of us know, but the main changes this year, if, if for some reason people don't have a watch them, it's just the, that sort of 3-2 setup. Um isn't it? So with Stones moving forward and then uh, the four attackers in front of them and then Haaland up front and then uh, Stones dropping in once they uh, um in and out of possession. So I think for me, just my main takeaways from City this year is just how um, it's it's not fair for a team that that's to be that good in possession and then so good out of possession as well. Like it, it just, you should be allowed to do one. You shouldn't be allowed to do both. Um I think the main thing for as well with City this year, from what I've seen, is like it's the the main theme is just their control now, isn't it? Like Grealish has come in, and Guardiola just loves him because he he doesn't lose the ball like sort of like your Sanes or your Sterlings of the past, and you're still like in a bigger game. You'd have Bernardo Silva on the other side who does a similar thing of being able to um, dribble at players and retain possession whilst they can get the rest defence, so they can't get those transitions on them. Um, I imagine we won't see. Those <laughs> worry for that in this game, considering the players like Bernardo Silva are more for a big game setup. Um, but yeah, that's for, just from my brief view in Advanced City this year. That's how they set up. But we'll, I imagine we'll see a lot of changes here. Because um, when we played them, they then play Real Madrid three days later. So, um, Martin, do, what do you think that'll do to the, the Man City lineup? With them having that big, such a big game a few days later, um, I think there will definitely be some changes. I, I, the, the, it won't obviously go easy because we, we know how much Pep wants to continue uh, winning the Premier League, and especially with how much pressure they've put on Arsenal recently. And if he was to take the foot off the gas, Nat and play a weakened side, and somehow we even get a draw, that would look like a spectacular failure for Guardiola at this point in the season. So I don't think it will be a massively weakened side. I think at most maybe two or three players on the fringes may come in for him. Um, Cole Palmer, he's one who who could come in for them and maybe play play on the side that um, Silva usually plays on. Um, we may even see Calvin Phillips get his first start of the season um, because if he doesn't trust him to play against our midfield, who can he trust him to play against? Come on. <laughs> If you can't play against us, then yeah, I would quite like to see him there, just because it's a slight advantage for us, in my opinion, over <laughs> the rest of their choices that they've got. Um, but yeah, but I don't think there'll be any massive changes. I think maybe they'll just just let the better players start the first half, let them get a good lead over us, get a three 0 lead over, and then pull off some of the players who would want to rest. They've could have got that sort of squad, and with the five subs that we can make now. They can quite easily take off the players who are most likely to be injured without causing too much hassle. So I don't think it's going to be massive changes now. Yeah, um, in terms of sort of my, my thoughts on this, I think we'll probably see Mahrez just because it'll likely be Grealish and Bernardo on the wings against Real Madrid. Foden, um, Foden maybe? Then, yeah, for Foden's. I think Foden's been coming back from an injury, so might, might potentially see him on the left in place of Grealish because uh, I think Grealish plays pretty much every game. And then... Alvarez probably through the middle. I think De Bruyne is struggling with a knock at the moment as well, so I don't. I think he will probably not be risked. But there's enough time in the first half for Haaland to get his hat trick before he goes off, so that's fine. Um, 
Yeah, and then I think it'd be quite nice to see Calvin Phillips and it might be our only chance because he might forget which team he plays for and accidentally <laughs> um, play for us. Uh, still probably wouldn't help, but anyway. Um, so, right, let's start talking about the Leeds lineup and have a guess at how Big Sam's going to set up. So, Dan, what changes in the lineup do you think Sam Allardyce will make? Well, he doesn't have a lot of time, does he? So, I mean, there's a, there's a good chance he swaps Robles in just because Melier, um is obviously terribly out of form um but otherwise i'm not too sure i mean there's no injuries is there there's no our oh, cooper went off injured so if Wobus fit enough cooper, yeah. yeah if Wobus fit enough to cover for cooper as a starter that'll be it robles perhaps um otherwise i don't see any changes i mean i guess there's the one we talked about before about dropping aronson and putting an extra midfielder in there to make it more solid that's that, that's possible so you might you might have a use strike or you might even just give Forshaw a start. I don't know how, you know, Forshaw is able to play a full game, but he might, he might sort of, he might try and get an hour out of Forshaw and perhaps use a youngster or maybe strike for the last half hour in, in his place if he wants to stodge the midfield up a bit. So those are the only things I think he will probably do. I don't know if we'll see massive changes until he's been there a week and had them for a game. Yeah, do you think there's a chance we still see, we see the three-four-three again just because that's what it was or do you think he'll want to put his own stamp on it? Probably, yeah. I mean, he might go for a, I mean, what does Allardyce typically play? Is, is a four one four one or four two three one? Yeah, four two three one. So I wondered about going back to that. I can see him going back to that and and just you know just perhaps playing a kind of a more defensive version of that, perhaps. But that's it, really. Yeah, Martin. Anything you want to add? Oh, yeah, like I said before, I've, I've watched um, some of Allardyce from the last time he played. He managed in the Premier League under West Brom, and um, I do wonder about some maybe potentially we may see McKenny further up midfield. If, I think we may, if if Forshaw is ready to play a full game or at least play sixty minutes, we could maybe see him start um, as the sitting midfielder. Like West Brom, he played um, that uh, okay Yakuzlu, um, who's a fantastic midfielder by the way. Um, he played him behind Gallagher and um, who was it? He was with it was uh, Maitland Niles. Uh, so that's. A pretty fun midfield setup, in, in my opinion. That there that he had at West Brom it was better than ours now, which is saying something. And wide players, I don't think there'll be any massive changes there. I think he'll be able to be fine with, with the ones that we played last. So I'd expect it will be Nonto and Somerville. Um, we could potentially see a three-four-three again. He has played uh, back threes in the past. Uh, he played a few of them towards the end of the season for West Brom, especially when he was playing some of the bigger sides. Um, and regards to the way he sets up, I know there was a question earlier about if he's as low, low blocky as what his reputation is. And from what I saw, it's not as bad as you'd expect. There were, there were quite a few moments where he, the players were pressing high, especially I saw a few where there was setting up around the goal kick to stop the, the opposition from playing it short. I saw that a fair few times, which was interesting. He'd have sort of, have sort of three men who would be the striker and then the attacking midfielder behind, which was um, Mateus Pereira. And I think it was one of the central midfielders. I think it was Maitland Niles who was joining there. So he had pushed, pushed one of them further up and keeping the other two in reserve. Uh, it sort of sets up. On, in, in possession, it was kind of like a 4-1-4-1 or 4-2-3-1, but it looks more like a 4-4-2 out of possession. So it would, it would shift around a bit. And so I think that's quite similar to what we've been doing under Grazia, right? We've been having a four-four-two out out of possession and more of a four-two-three-one in possession, so it's quite similar to the approach that he's taken for most most of the games I saw. Anyway, I watched about I think four games, just the first half of them on like this is sped up just to get a general view of um, how he sets up and 
yeah, the imposition stuff is as dire as, you, as you'd expect. It's a lot of long balls, um, especially aiming towards a target forward, which um, West Brom did have at the time. Um, Diagne, I think he, I think he was. Um, the, the signed him in the January of that year. I can't remember his first name, but yeah, he was a big lad. And so I think there's possibly potential for McKenney to be used in that sort of role, just a bit further up the field, or maybe even Ruta, because he's a, a quite tall lad as well. So who knows? We could maybe see some, some changes like Ruta coming in because he wants a bit of extra height in the forward line, or McKenney playing there instead. But yeah, that's about all I can say on Allardyce. The certainly interesting to see how it goes Saturday. Imagine spending £35 million on a your record signing and then Big Sam comes in and tells him to play as a target man with Weston McKenney behind him. <laughs> it's beautiful, really. It really is. It's poetry in motion. It, it's just, you, can't, you couldn't write a better script for whatever sins us as Leeds United fans have, have made that we have to put up with this reality. I'm, I'm not sure what some of us must have done to deserve this. <sighs> Um, that last 65 million worth of talent there. Um, Dan, you, I think you put your hand up. Is there something you want to add on this? Just just one little snippet. There was Carl Robinson's coming in as, as his assistant, isn't he? And you kind of wonder what kind of influence he'll have. Carl Robinson's Oxford. I know they were fairly aggressive, quite high-pressing, quite high-possession team. I mean, I know it's obviously a different level and Oxford's budget is fairly strong in League, League One, so he was able to do that. But, um, yeah, I just wonder if that might have an influence and it might... Perhaps there might be fusing of the styles a little bit. I don't know how much Sam Allardyce is the tactician and how much Sam Allardyce is the manager, you know, rather than the coach. So it's just a thought, really. Nothing, nothing more than that. But we might see perhaps maybe something more aggressive from Carl Robinson. Oh, his influence might make it more aggressive in terms of the pressing. Don't know. All, all stuff to look out for. So um, right, well, let's move on to Man City now. I think this is going to be quite a short discussion. Dan, where can we hurt them? We can't. <laughs> cool. Martin, you got anything you want to add on that? No, no. Um, maybe, like we said before, if Calvin Phillips forgets who he's playing for, we can maybe get an own goal out of that. Yeah. I've got one like straw I'm clutching at. That that Vinicius Junior plays for Real Madrid, right? And they're going to be worried about him, aren't they? Man City. So does Kyle Walker get rested? Did they put like you know? Did they put a? Did they put someone unsuitable at right back? Does Nanto get behind? I don't know. It's just uh, Lewis. Lewis is. Yeah, bit... I think he's the other player. Yeah, he's not Lewis, exactly yeah. a poor choice. <laughs> no, he's not. He? Well, no, there's no poor choice at Man City. But I just, I just wonder is that you know is, does Pep change? Does Pep make quite a few changes and does it does it cause a bit of instability? And do we do we nick a goal and get a goal and you know do we get to dream for ten minutes? <laughs> That's it. Yeah. The only thing I'll say on that is I think like Walker hasn't been in favour this year, so I think actually it might be Walker might end up playing because he he hasn't tended to play the bigger games. Um, from memory, because I think he might he's been favouring like a Kanji on that side, or he's been having Stones move in, but he's now Stones is moving in from centre back. Um, but yeah, something like that, a different change defence, like some eighteen-year-old child who actually bossed the midfield at Ellen Road, um, can get torn apart by Willie Nonto hopefully. Um, but yeah. We'll just yeah, nick a goal and only lose 6-1. Um, Martin, how do you see this game playing out? Man City smashers. Cool. Dan, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, I guess we've seen we've seen more of a more of a direct transitional Man City of late, haven't we? Especially in big games, you know, with De Bruyne and and, and um, Haaland up front. I mean, I don't know if we'll see that because they'll just have us pinned in. So I think it might be the traditional old-fashioned Man City where they keep the ball and try and rotate and move us around because we'll be sat in deep. So I think it might be it be more of a uh, there'll be no transition moment apart from the occasional moment when we get the ball and try and break out. I mean, essentially, we'll just be camped in and holding out until they score. And when they do score, the floodgates open. 
basically. Yeah, I think I think even in those transitional moments, I think we'll struggle to get out. So I think it'll just yeah. be us sat on our in or around our box and hoping that Man City can't score. Um, Dan, final thing: where do you think this game will be won or lost? Um, on on the football pitch by Man City. <laughs> Don't yeah, at the had at yeah, three they, o'clock yeah. on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I mean they'll just 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 their quality tell. I mean, however they choose to win the game, they'll win the game. Essentially, they, you know, they, 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 the the bigger than us, the faster than us, the more skillful than us, the more tactically aware than us. They've got a better system. They have better players in every single respect. So I just. I don't know how we win this. They 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 basically take control of the ball from minute one, dominate us in all those ways, and 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 score. Um, the scoreline is dictated by how much at what point they shut off and decide just to coast. I'm yeah. afraid. Martin, anything well, different? Well, maybe if Big Sam uh, gives the players a pint of wine beforehand, that might li- liven things up. <laughs> uh, but no, um, the game will be won by my Man City. Maybe we nick a goal at some point, but. I can't see us getting out for, for in transition moments, like you've said. They're just too good out of possession. Just, like you said, it's just not fair that a team can be as good in possession and out of possession as they are. There's, that's one thing which has been an issue for them in in, uh, in some seasons and past few years, where sometimes out of possession, the structure hasn't always been there to stop teams as quickly as they have been able to, but it's just on another level this season. And um, I'm going to enjoy watching them play, to be honest. That's just one thing that I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, for, for, my, for my sins, I do quite. I, I do enjoy watching City, and I think this is probably the best version I've seen of City. Um, in the in well, what whenever I've been alive watching City, really. Um, so yeah, I do enjoy watching them, and I will probably enjoy the, try and enjoy as much as I can the the absolute killing that we're going to get on Saturday. But yeah, like Dan said, I think it's just a case of when they decide to probably start making all their changes ahead of Real Madrid or they just try and cruise the game will dictate how many goals we concede Um, but yeah nice positive way to end the podcast so we will be back next week with a review of the thrashing by Man City but until then I will say thank you to Dan cheers mate it's been a pleasure no worries thank you to Martin thank you and thank you all to listening. Hope you've enjoyed the slightly different podcast today. And we hope you enjoy the game on Saturday as much as you can. And hope you have a great week. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.